Hello and welcome to The Graduates, a radio show dedicated to Berkeley graduate student research. My name is Stephanie Gerson and I'll be your hostess for the show here on KALX Berkeley. So today I'm talking to Brian Scholl, a PhD student from the Department of Economics. So welcome, Brian. Thank you. And we're going to be talking about ethnic identity and cultural values in the Balkans. So to start out, the Balkans, what countries are we talking about specifically? Uh, in this paper, I looked at Bosnia, Albania, Bulgaria, Croatia, Hungary, Macedonia, uh, Serbia, and Montenegro, which is now two countries, uh, and Slovenia. Actually, okay. three countries. Serbia and Montenegro is now three separate countries. Okay. Uh, and I apologize that it's not politically correct in a very literal sense that I'm going to be referring to this area as the Balkans, but just it, for ease of not having to go through all those countries. Sure, certainly. Yeah. I mean, the the terminology that gets used is either the Balkans. Um, I'm mostly interested in the, the former Yugoslavia, yeah. um, although this group of countries includes other countries outside of the former Yugoslavia. Okay. Um, and Southeastern Europe also gets used. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with the shortest, the That's Balkans. Fine. <laughs> and so, yes, you wrote a paper about ethnic identity and values in the Balkans, in this area, and you start with the premise that ethnicity influences policy outcomes in developing, transitioning, and even developed economies worldwide. So can you talk a little bit about how the relationship between ethnicity and policy outcomes has generally been understood? Right. Well, so so there has been, maybe over the past 10 or 15 years, quite a lot of literature on the relationship of ethnic identity or ethnicity and certain economic outcomes, policy outcomes. Uh, probably most of the research deals with the link between ethnic diversity and public goods provision. So public goods are like libraries, schools, these sorts of things. And most of the papers, the relationship has generally been that, that more diversity it tends to um, lead to lower public goods provision. So there are less schools, less libraries. Mm. And tends there tends to be uh, an idea that, that it's sort of ethnic conflict, that, that there's some, not conflict in the terms of war, um, but some sort of friction between groups where groups oppose some sort of redistribution to other groups. Uh-huh. Um, so that's part of the what's come out of the economic literature. I think in, in other fields like sociology, um, there are different conclusions about that. Okay, and so you're examining the relationship between yeah, how people identify themselves ethnically and the values that they hold. So let's start with ethnicity. Uh, according to which variables is ethnicity defined, or can ethnicity be defined, and how is it defined specifically in the Balkans? Well, in the region, it is actually sometimes a, a difficult thing to figure out. Huh. Um, and actually, that's that's part of how, how this paper got motivated for me, for me being in the region. And, and basically, um, at various times of, of living there, I lived there from full-time from about 2001 to 2004, and then I go back frequently now for my research. But um, it's a very confusing idea, especially mm-hmm. to an American. Mm-hmm. It, for an American, it's just an alien but concept. But they all but seem to know who is Everyone what? knows <laughs> what ethnicity uh-huh. they are and you are. Uh-huh. And, um, the and they all agree with each other on what they are and each other are? 
Yes, certainly. Okay. Certainly. Um, the two dimensions are generally language and religion. So in Slovenia and Macedonia, Slovenian speaks Slovenian, Macedonian speak Macedonian. So they're kind of relatively easy, although um, Macedonian is very similar to Bulgarian. And uh, there are some issues with that <laughs> distinction uh, for certain groups. Then you have um, Albanians, which speak Albanian and are predominantly Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, the, then you have Serbs, Croats, and, and Bosnians, um, Bosnian Muslims. And uh, those, that's, where, that's where the distinction especially becomes blurry because um, you have one language which was formerly ca- called Serbo-Croatian, and now it's called generally Serbian, Macedo- Serbian Bosnian, or Croatian uh-huh. uh, as three separate languages. Uh-huh. I think um, we're going to need a diagram. <laughs> Maybe I'll put one on the Calix website. Um, and uh, and also now I'm sure that Monte- now that Montenegro is broken apart from Serbian Montenegro, Montenegrin has more frequently been referred to as a separate language. Formerly, these were known as just different dialects of the same language. Uh-huh. And over time, especially since since the wars of the late ninety of the mid nineties, these languages actually have grown further apart. That for makes those, it a little easier, maybe, for you. It, it's not a problem for me to distinguish between between the ethnic groups because because for those three ethnic groups, it's religion uh-huh. that that becomes that. Y- if you can think of it as a as a common language, that's not necessarily the the politically correct term nowadays uh-huh. because they are considered different languages, Serbian, right. Bosnian, and Croatian. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a very similar language. I, I speak, I get basically by learning one of the languages, uh-huh. I get basically three for the price oh. of one. Um, so it's, uh, it's religion that actually defines things. But it gets more complicated than that, I'm right? Sure. Because it was a socialist system for a long time, and for many parts of the former Yugoslavia, people didn't practice religion. Yeah. So you have this ethnic identity that is based on primarily religion that where the people that are identifying are primarily atheists. But they still identify. But they still identify as Serbs, Croats, or And then they say Muslims. that they identify according to, do they have their, because they don't, they don't say I identify according to my religion. They just identify. No, they identify as Croats or Serbs. But or according to what? Just because they've always identified and their parents identified? Right. It it is largely, um, it is largely historical. Just to be clear, uh, you know, Croats are Catholic, uh, Bosnian or Bosniak Muslims are Muslim, Uh um, and Serbs are primarily Orthodox or exclusively Orthodox. You know, I would, I would actually ask people uh, at some point in time. Okay, so what if I'm a, a Serb, and I convert to Catholicism? So what do I become then? And and what do they say? Well, there was actually a wide range of opinions ah. that, that people gave me. So some people said that, well, you're going to be more of a Croat than a Croat uh-huh. uh, because you are uh, because when when people are kind of minorities in a new ethnic group, mm. they have to sort of prove that they're yeah. of that group. Um, some people said, well, no, you're you're still going to be a Serb no matter what. Mm-hmm. So the three main groups, though, just to clarify, are Bosnians who are Christian. Uh, false. Uh, so oh, I'm already wrong. Okay, so Bosnians who are Orthodox. So there are Bosniaks. Bosniaks who are Muslim, Serb, Serbs who are Christian, and Croats who are Orthodox. Uh, Croats are Catholics. Oh man. Um, uh, wow. Serbs are Orthodox. Have to reread Christians. that paper. Okay. Well, let's move on to values. So, can you give some examples of some of the values that you looked at and why you chose them? 
Right. So um, what I looked at is I, I tried to focus on some core values. Um, so uh, these are things like what, what are the what's the importance of family, friends, work, leisure. I, I tried to look at some things that are related to tolerance. Uh, I lo- tried to look at some things that were related to institutions. Mm-hmm. So what uh, kinds of questions were you asking? Uh, so these are these are questions. So the, the core values being how important is your family? Uh-huh. And you kind of rate it on a scale of one to six or something uh-huh. like that. Institutions being um, uh, how confident are you in the police? How confident are you in your local government? Also things such as uh, corruption attitudes. So is it ever justifiable to take a bribe? And also things like nationalism, national attitudes, how strongly you identify with your your ethnic group. And I understand you're trying to simplify, but did you weight all the values equally? I mean, what if what if two ethnic groups, you know, agree on a value that's not very important to either one of them, but mm-hmm. disagree on one that actually really is important to one or both? Right. I I I, I did play around with a, a lot of different permutations sure. on that. You know, these are these are cultural concepts, con- yeah. constructs, right? So they're not um, they're not very easily measured. Yeah. They're not very easy to compare. But I mean, if there if there is this high ethnic tension between different groups, understanding maybe why it's there or maybe why certain groups wanted to break off from other republics in the former Yugoslavia, um, was it because they actually preferred different types of institutions and they wanted to actually set up um, a, a small state with, um, let's say, you know, more anti-corruption enforcement? Or So these are kind of important policy issues. You know, the measurement is not, it's frankly not, not great, and it's very difficult to get a good way of making, let's say, apples to apples right. comparisons about things. So yeah. you have to do a little bit more playing with with things in in this sort of research than you would in maybe a mainstream right. economic paper. Right. Okay. And so the reason you're interested in this is because, as you just mentioned, so the relationship between ethnicity and values influences policy outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in turn, the kinds of policies that you might prescribe. Mm-hmm. So what would be the policy implications if there were a direct relationship between ethnicity and values, right? If people of the same ethnicity held similar values versus if there were no significant relationship between ethnicity and values. It's it's a little bit... Um it it might be a little bit difficult to 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 say that explicitly, yeah. uh, but um, you know, it, if people are really different, should we can be be actually almost encouraging people to to break off into ethnic states because they they just can't agree on um, some sort of policy outcome or institutional environment that that's satisfactory to them. If they're really the same, then there's not as much justification for for breaking them off, other than just historical mm-hmm. um, historical preferences. Mm-hmm. I mean. Really, they they have the same sort of preferences. They've been growing up in the same sort of environment, right? Um, and you know, maybe sort of sort of the trust building exercises you might go through in in these communities, for example, might be different. You know, it maybe it may be trying to help these people to realize that actually we have a lot of similarities. Um, yeah, but are you assuming that similar value similarities kind of outweigh? any historical antagonism? Because maybe I have the exact same values as my neighbor who's another ethnicity, but because of, you know, generations and generations. Sure. Of 
Sure. And, but, but, okay. Well, I mean, this is the process of research, is, yeah, right? It, it's, yeah. And you would I, this still, is sort of one piece in the puzzle. And, right, right, And right. it's not really yeah, up to and me. And it's not that one outweighs the other. I guess I, I guess I should rephrase that. It's just that they would warrant different kinds of policies. I mean, you would treat the situations differently. Right. And, and of course, you know, my research is, is not the kind of thing that I'd... I'd want somebody, I mean, like most academic research, I mean, you, the last thing you would want is for some policymaker to tomorrow pick it up and say, okay, now we have to, we have to do this because yeah. actually a lot of, I think a lot of bad policies <laughs> come out of, of that sort of thing uh -huh. where people latch on to, uh -huh. you know, one paper. So you, got, you have to put a little warning label on your paper. Uh, right. If you want to well, use this, call me <laughs> because I think there's that's more true. going on. I think that's true for most papers actually. Uh -huh. Um, because, Not to be used by themselves. Well, like I said, you know, with the, with the relationship between um, ethnic diversity and public goods provision, you know, the first paper that comes out about ethnic diversity and public goods provision, well, I mean, it, it shows this relationship, but what's the policy implication yeah. of that? Well, okay, hold on. Yeah. Let's wait for a few years. Yeah. Let's see if other people find similar things yeah. in, in, in other settings. Yeah. And then let's start thinking about the policy implications. Okay. Then. Well, we'll wait a couple of minutes before I ask you about the policy implications okay. of your paper. How about that? <laughs> okay, so for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to The Graduates on Calex. I'm talking today with Brian Scholl about ethnic identity and cultural values in the Balkans. So before we move on to the results, actually, I know that this study was also partly inspired by a personal experience you had with a group of people called Yanyevsi. Yanyevsi. Okay. I did okay. Yanyevsi. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So, Yanyevsi are uh, a group of ethnic Croats that have historically lived in Kosovo. Uh, it's sort of a small group. Can you uh, just, where's Kosovo? Oh, sorry. So, Kosovo um, is, is now a new country, um, officially recognized as a new country. Um, by the international community. It is what was the most southern part of Serbia. And uh, so Serbia is sort of in the eastern part of the former Yugoslavia. And it's kind of a historically um, and culturally important region for, for the Serb identity. Uh, there's a lot of kind of historical battles that were fought there, a lot of um, monasteries, uh, Orthodox Christian monasteries that are there. In Kosovo, you have Albanians and Serbs as the primary ethnic groups, and then you, you also had uh, Croats. Um, and when I was living in Dalmatia, in Dalmatia is a part of Croatia, I found out a story about these Janjevci, mm -hmm. who were, again, ethnic Croats from Kosovo that uh, basically settled in, in a village of Kistinje in, in Dalmatia. So they were ethnic Croats who had moved from Serbia to Croatia. Specifically from Kosovo. So right, from Kosovo. Okay. So um, even within Serbia, <laughs> uh -huh. um, there there would be Croats from Vojvodina, which is the northern part of Serbia, and Vojvod uh, Croats from uh, Kosovo. Kosovo. And they're totally different. Completely different. Okay. Uh, I don't remember, uh, it's probably in my paper, I don't remember exactly when they settled in, in Kosovo, but it was several hundred years ago. So they uh, they were basically invited by, by the Croatian government to, to settle in in Dalmatia, um, and they just didn't fit in. Uh -huh. um, they had um, you know, uh, fertility in Croatia is sort of normal European, probably 1.4 children or 2.0 children. They would have. They had lots of children, large families. They had a very, very strong religious figure. You might think of sort of a very strong tribal leader, uh -huh. and so people sort of very 
strongly focused on what he said and and they acted very collectively in a large group and the vill- village of Kistanya just didn't like it uh-huh. <laughs> they they actually built a huge church and there was sort of almost a, an allergic reaction of the, yeah. the local residents and it was so bad that actually at one point um there was some graffiti on some of the homes the Yangnipsi homes saying um give us our serbs back so this was an area that that during the during the the conflict um Serbs had Serbs left, Serbs and the had Croats left. came, but the but the native Cro- or the I guess the Dalmatians wanted the the Serbs back instead of their Kosovar. Right, and that wow. might not have been a you know that might not have been yeah. a, a broad based sentiment, but yeah. it certainly was a rejection yeah. of of the Yangnipsi. And when I thought about about this group a little bit, you know, all the characteristics that people described and talked about and sort of rejected were actually very similar to what you would find for for Albanians in Kosovo, Kosovar mm-hmm. Albanians. You would also find it for Serbian people living in yeah, Kosovo. So, okay. so they all were very similar, even though yeah. that, that the Serbs and Albanians in Kosovo weren't getting along very well historically. Um, they were actually probably more similar to each other than, than the Serbs in Kosovo were to the Serbs in Serbia right. in, let's say, Serbs in Belgrade and Serbs in, in Kosovo had very little in common. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's taking us into your results. And uh, I have to say, I'm flattered you thought I would understand your data tables and graphs that you sent me, but I confess I stuck to your written description okay. of the <laughs> results. So let's uh, let's talk about some of your results. Okay. Well, uh, just broadly, uh, like I said, I tried to compare a few different ethnic groups that we would traditionally think of as being in conflict or very different from each other. So Serbs and and Albanians, Serbs and 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 Croats, a- and and I sort of broke that out by both location again, so Republic of where they were, either Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, and also by ethnicity as well. So you have Serbs in Serbia, Serbs in Bosnia, Serbs in Croatia, etc. And you know, I was actually pretty surprised by this, but. Um, it does seem that that location seems to matter for for similarity and cultural values more than ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, and that was actually particularly surprising since, especially with the Serbs, there is sort of a um, a long swath where it's almost continuous Serb. Um, you know, it's not it's not like the uh, these Yagnivsi, like I said, which were actually geographically separated from yeah. Croatia for hundreds of years. Yeah, um, it, there there wasn't as much contact certainly between being Serbs and Serbians, Serbs and Bosnia as, you know, every, as your neighbor would be in, right. in Serbia. But they were less similar than Did you than visualize this? Did you make a map of cultural similarity? Um, How that would... I haven't, I haven't figured out a good way of doing that. Ah. Okay, so the fact that people tend to have more values in common with their uh, geographic neighbors who are ethnically different than from people of their same ethnicity who live far away. Was this surprising to you? Um, it, it was consistent with my experiences, uh-huh. um, but it, I don't think it's something that um, uh, that I necessarily expected to pop out of the data uh-huh. as well. Um, also, one thing that was very, very surprising was that, for example, Serbs in Serbia and Albanians in Albania seem very similar, mm-hmm. um, were uh, even more similar than... than um, you know, Serbs were to other Serbs in mm-hmm. in other republics, mm-hmm. um, and and so they the 
basically southern Serbian or Kosovar Serbs and Albanians were were quite different from their ethnic um, their ethnic uh, compatriots. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at communities that migrated hundreds of years ago, so there's no there's no ties anymore. Um, families th- that keep in touch. I, I mean. They are, there are certainly, yeah. but there are, there are newer ties. Um, what I was looking at is sort of the more slow moving. Yeah, are there economic flows between ethnic communities that are living in different countries? Uh, there certainly are. Yeah, and, and uh, like I said, certainly since the war, uh-huh. there there are actually probably stronger ties between these different, let's say, ethnic minority groups and their compatriots in uh, a country where so Serbs in Croatia and and Serbs in Serbia have probably stronger ties now uh-huh. than they would have um, maybe 25 years ago. Yeah. Okay, so returning to your original question, based on your results, how would you characterize the relationship between ethnic identity and policy outcomes in the Balkans? Um, I would pass on that In question. two no. words. <laughs> it's good. It exists. Yes. yes, that's right. It's good. I agree. <laughs> um, well, it's... It's still a very complicated dynamic, right? Um, and so ethnic identity is not something that we... Um, I, I think certainly as economists, we, we really don't have a very good handle on it, um, what makes up ethnic identity. Um, and, uh, and other fields have spent certainly a lot more time thinking about, about these issues than economists certainly have. Um, but it's, uh, again... in. In the region, in the Balkans, it's it's a very elusive concept still. Um, why do, you know, why is it that Serbs in Serbia and Albanians in Albania are, why are they more similar to each other than they are to their compatriots? Well, there are some reasons for mm-hmm. it. Um, and, you know, the the Albanian state, you know, hasn't generally supported the Kosovo independence movement, for, for example, um, because it has its own ethnic groups that it's afraid are going to break off into into di- different, uh, you know, ethnic enclaves and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But um, it's a region that's not very well understood, I think, mm-hmm. and it um, it's something we're trying to still understand. All right. So for those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to Brian Scholl from Economics about ethnicity and cultural values in the Balkans. So are you making your results available to your subjects or and how do you think they would react to learning that their value-based differences are more geographic than ethnic hmm good question uh i don't really necessarily have sub- subjects per se i uh-huh. mean i'm a, i'm in contact with people back there i haven't managed to put uh funding together to actually do the exact survey that i would like to to do in in the Balkans, but how would people react? Um, I think it's I think it's still a confusing issue for everybody I- in the region. Um, uh, in certain areas, they would be certainly more open to the idea. Certain individuals would be more open to the idea that that everybody was sort of the same, um, and other people would be very opposed yeah. to, to the idea that everybody was. I mean, same. specifically after the Yanyevsi learned that they were more similar to the people back home in mm-hmm. Serbia than to, you know, their Croatian, their fellow Croatians I in think Croatia. They, they're pretty, pretty aware they of that. S- <laughs> did they still identify themselves as Croatian then? I mean, could that lead to some kind of cultural identity 
crisis, crisis or at least confusion. Um, I, I, I haven't, I haven't spent much time with him over the, uh, over the recent few years, but, um, I think certainly they definitely realize there's something a little bit different in, in Croatia. Um, I think there's probably certain urges to move back to Kosovo, although that might not be practical for them right now. Uh Um, and they may be just caught in the middle, uh, you know, they can't, can't really move back to Kosovo, um, they don't really feel that comfortable in Croatia. Um, and it might be, you know, a process of either forced adaption or just, um, they just become this enclave, this kind of strange group that, um, doesn't really fit in exactly. Um, doesn't really try to assimilate that much, or maybe they do try and assimilate. It's, it's, it's sort of unclear where they're going to go. Yeah. Okay, so in your paper, you write that your findings, and I quote, might augment the design of peace-building policies in other regions of similar ethnic heterogeneity that are at risk of conflict, or that they may help in the building of cohesive post-conflict societies. That sounds a lot better when you say it than uh, when I say it. (laughs) So the obvious thought here is Iraq. But if you don't want to go there, can you just talk a little bit about how your findings might be applicable outside the Balkans? Sure. Well, so the whole idea of ethnicity, I think, is important for... I mean, it is a lot of my research um, in in the Balkans does does parallel a lot of things that, that are going on in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also parallels a lot of things in the U.S. as well. Mm. I mean, if you think that, that, for example, people living in Oakland and people living in Berkeley are as similar to each other as different ethnic groups in in the Balkans, you're you're completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, th- there's the kind of the socioeconomic status yeah. and and the socioeconomic status related to ethnicity, race, religion in the U.S. is more drastic than it, it was in the former Yugoslavia. And so you know, be beware. You know, if you think that we have this this very strong American identity that that um, you know that uh, that people don't have. Um, maybe an urge to just just pull away from or 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 anything like that just Can, do you have any specific examples people in berkeley and people in oakland uh no <laughs> i'll pass on or that. just in general no well you're saved by the bell anyway okay so finally i'm curious what inspired your interest in this region right well so i i was here at berkeley i was actually studying uh comparative and development economics, but I hadn't really spent very much time in a developing country or transition country. Um, and uh, at the time, basically, um, Milosevic had just been overthrown in Serbia. Things were just starting to happen in Serbia, um, whereas in a lot of transition countries, like, for example, the Czech Republic, they were. it was just a matter of when they were going to join the European Union. So things were just starting there, and I could see things from the beginning. And you know, it was it was also a matter of the the region being kind of this this nexus of a lot of different issues that are important to development economics. So conflict, ethnicity, you know, transition from from a socialist system, you know, poverty, all all these sorts of things that they were just. Um, it seemed like an interesting laboratory. Okay, and actually, I have one last question. I know you learned Serbo-Croatian, Croatian, or maybe just one of the three, but you can use them all. Um, I speak Bosnian, Croatian, and Serbian. All right. Okay. So you learned three in one (laughs) for your work, and you said that you get a lot of mileage 
out of it here in the Bay Area. So uh, what coffee shops can we go to to hear people speaking? <laughs> or, uh, what, or, or what has it been like to be able to speak it around here? Uh, it's it's actually pretty surprising because it's, it's not uncommon that I, I go into a coffee shop somewhere and, and uh, you know, the, the person that's serving coffee is talking to, to oh. a person in the back in, in the, let's say, one of the three languages, uh-huh. or that I'm just walking from my home to campus and I walk past some people that are that are speaking the language. And, you know, I haven't spent as much time with them, but there are different, um, there, there's a, a refugee group, a large refugee resettlement group from Bosnia here in the Bay Area and, and also from Croatia as well. And so, I don't know, you would think that learning a language that basically, uh, what, um, maybe 15 or 20 million people in the world speak wouldn't be that that useful, but it actually winds up being fairly useful. That's great. Okay, well, how do you say how do you say great? Um, dobro would be good. Dobro. Well, it's well, been great. Would be veliki basically. Veliki. Okay. Well, it's been veliki. <laughs> veliki <laughs> dobro. Veliki dobro. Talking to you, Ryan. <laughs> You've been listening to The Graduates, a radio show dedicated to graduate student research on KALX Berkeley. Background music was produced by Chris Peck. You can check him out at myspace.com slash Chris Peck. My name is Stephanie Gerson, and I am still hunting for new producers for the show. Come on, y'all. Do you want this show to survive? So if you are interested in producing... Uh, It is a lot of fun, and you learn a lot. Uh, Or if you know someone who might be interested in producing, please visit us on Facebook. Search for The Graduates Calex on Facebook.com and let us know. And you should visit us on Facebook anyway because it's always great to get feedback from listeners and know that you're out there. You can download podcasts of the show from iTunes University and... Join me next Monday from 12 to 12.30.